And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 201, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel and Fact of Meals. My name is Connor Ryan. Once again, we are joined by 98.5 The Sports Hubs, Ty Anderson. Ty, what's going on? What's up, man? How are we doing today? I'm doing well, Ty. I'm doing well. I don't think uh, Bruins fans are, at least the ones who... Uh, attended Tuesday's game against the Calgary Flames. I, I think we talked about this, I think, in the middle of that game going on. If that was, like, your first time at a, a NHL game, first time at a hockey game, first time at a Bruins game, I feel very uh, I feel very bad for you because that game was not fun. Beyond the fact that it was a 4-1 loss for Boston, entertainment factor, not good. Crowd wasn't into it. Players maybe were still sweating out some of their margaritas from the All-Star break. Wasn't a good product, I think, on the ice on Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. You know, you get those games every so often in an 82-game season, but that was rough, man. That's like last year. You know, last year was a record-setting year, right? Um, you know, and, and I knew somebody whose only game was the Nashville game where they lost like 2-1, to one and they scored their only goal of the night with like five seconds left in the third period. And it's like, I was talking to them like, I'm so sorry. You picked the worst game to go to in the season. That was basically perfect. You know, regular season anyways. Uh, that was the worst game. So last night, probably their worst effort of the season. You know, I, I, I feel like that's probably a fair assessment. Um, just didn't have any jump whatsoever. And things that you thought could be a launching off point just weren't. And so if you have those kind of nights. Um, you know, I'm not going to get too high or too low about it, but no, entertainment entertainment value was absolute garbage last night's game. Uh, tends to happen sometimes in this league, and and it just sucks when it happens after about 10 days off. Right. No, it kind of reminds me of, as you said, that Nashville game, or even I think it was that game, the, the Kraken home game, where I feel like energy was completely down. I, I don't remember what the score was. I think Bruce got one goal yeah. out of it. Yeah, it was not, not a fun product out there on the ice. Again, that was a record-setting team stacked. Those things happen over the, the span of 82 games. So I agree with, with what you kind of said. And it seems like that's more or less what was echoed by, you know, players like Charlie McAvoy after the game that, you know, shit happens. They're not really going to dwell too much on it. And again, I, I think you look at that game. Uh, a lot went wrong for the team, right? Like you can point at a lot of people were focusing in on uh, the physicality, the lack of pushback, especially when Martian got trucked over. Uh, that I think is something that, I'm sure they'll focus on moving forward is, you know, I feel like that happens every year. There's that, there's that one game where the response in like the a bang, bang play isn't really there. And the players immediately afterwards are like, ah, yeah, we probably should have corrected that. So I imagine that, you know, I don't know if that means we're going to have a brawl on Thursday against Vancouver, but as something that I think sometimes just needs to be reinforced. But I think when you look at, uh, you know, the physicality, the the PK, once again, having a pretty rough night, which has kind of been a, a trend since the holidays uh, for this team. Jeremy Swayman had a couple of goals that I think he would like to have back. Um, not a lot really went well for this team in this game. Are you viewing it more as just a one-off, or is there anything from this game that you think this Bruins team, Bruins team can take from, uh, from Tuesday that's like, all right, you know, we have to build off this, make sure it doesn't snowball, as opposed to it just being like, Fuck it. Burn the tape. Let's get past this one. Yeah. You know, I, I think you can always learn something from, you know, wins and losses. I think the biggest thing for me is like this team is, is, has had problems starting well. Like it, it really feels like they, 
they wake up late in first periods. They don't really set the tone out of the gate, or at least it feels rare that they do. Um, you know, and, and, and that's kind of, that's not them. You know, you go back to who they've been, um, you know, these this last decade, really it starts, it's, it's on time start, right? You heard it from Cassidy, you hear it from Montgomery. It's what, it's what they want. Uh, but you're also bang on about the PK. Uh, I believe it's now bottom 10 since the Christmas break. Uh, that's got to get cleaned up. Like if you are going to be as good as you want to be, uh, that can't be the case. And and you look at the teams, you know, ahead of them, you know, so to speak ahead of them, uh, who's been worse PK wise out of the break. It's been Toronto. It's been the Islanders who made a coaching change. It's been the Sharks, the Ducks, the Caps, and the Blue Jackets. That is not a crew that you want to hang with uh, in 2023-24. So, um, you know, I I also think that, and this is a greater picture thing I know, but, you know, you look at their penalty trouble and their their PK trouble, they just take too many penalties. And and they take penalties at the worst time. And, you know, I I will look at last night's game where, you know, they should have got a five-minute major I, like i don't think martian deserved the slashing the goalie like i didn't hear the whistle i, I didn't hear the whistle and i don't think anyone did you know when they called yeah. him for that so whatever but you you look at you look at later in the game they're trying to make a push they're trying to tie it and they take a too many men penalty like like that can't happen and that's what i'm talking yeah. about with penalties forget the stick infractions but just just bad penalties at the worst time uh and that's an example of it so it just generating momentum and then sustaining it has been difficult for this team despite their record. So that's the biggest concern for me is that this, this team, when they're not going, they have a hard time getting out of their own way. And, and maybe that's the case for a lot of teams, you know, hockey's a game based off mistakes, but it feels especially glaring that when they don't have their game, generating momentum and generating positive, you know, sort of momentum in any respect is difficult for this team. Yeah, and it kind of harkens back to, you know, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, really, but looking at the trade deadline and what this team needs. And I think you can make a very compelling argument. They need both a, a tone setting, maybe bottom six forward and a defenseman. We've kind of gone back and forth. I think last week we both talked about how, you know, we made our case as to why they should maybe prioritize a defenseman more than a fourth line star or what have you. But I think when you look at the way the PK is going, the way that some guys further down the lineup are playing, um, you know, I don't think it's been the best year for Grizzly, obviously, but even like Forbert, who was really, really strong at the start of this year, we all we all know how good he is on the PK. But even at five on five, he was really strong out of the gate. Number of injuries he's dealing with, you know, it was really rusty coming off that LTAR stint. He's dealing with something else now on top of that. Um, it does see, feel like this is a team that if they had to make just one move, which might be the situation they're dealing with in terms of just the assets, the cap space they have. Feels like they might be better suited looking more defense than maybe a, a a physical forward up front because it does feel like that is an area whether it is the Forberts or the Grizzlies, Shattenkirks, what have you, where they just need a little bit more reinforcement at that part of the lineup because it kind of reminds me of like you know the St. Louis Blues in 2019, a lot of big bodies, a lot of really strong players. The one guy that was not that good in that series, Vince Dunn, it was like the one little weak link in there, and he became a very good player, but I think he was what. 21 22 probably wasn't ready for the playoffs Bruins picked him apart whenever he was out there but that was like the one little weak link I feel like you have a few areas further down the lineup with this decor that probably need to bolster a little bit between now and March 8th yeah you know with Dark Forbert it's really it's interesting because he hasn't looked right since coming back 
and the natural belief was that oh he reaggravated whatever he's been bothering whatever's been bothering him all year but Jim Montgomery says no this is a new injury okay well so now you have one injury that's been bugging you all year yeah now you have a new one you don't look great first of all and then secondly you know he had a play last night where he throws it right up the middle intercepted Bruins were lucky that 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 Calgary, I think they missed the net. Uh, it was in the second yeah. period of, of play. Um, but between between that and, and Shattenkirk's game is kind of hot and cold. Like it's it, it, it's kind of leveled off a little bit. Um, and so, you, you know, like that's something that you got to watch. You got to look for. And, and like, yeah, I think I'm, I might be more swayed on your side now where I'm saying, okay, now you need a defenseman. Like it, like, but this is the, this is the nightly battle you're going to have between now yeah. and March 8th. And, and that's why I say that sometimes losses are good. If you can learn from them, you know, like I think the Bruins may learn what they need more from losses than from wins, you know, wins, everyone feeling, everyone's feeling great. Everyone, everyone is feeling good. Like you may have that, Ooh, we got out of danger there, but, but you feel good overall losses is when you, you're forced to take a deeper, hard look and say, okay, do you have enough here in a seven game series? So um, I I think the biggest thing is that you just want certainty and some respect on your defense beyond Charlie McAvoy. And I would say Brandon Carlo, like those are your two bedrocks this year. You know, Lindholm has been better of late, but he's, but you know, I would have to go back and rewatch that sequence. But I think that Lindholm and Pasternak were a reason why they got that too many men. If I, I, yeah. I want to go back and watch it, but I think it was them, them two there that, that kind of had some miscommunication. So, um, you know, I, I, like, I think that's, you know, you watch the team and like, you just want some certainty on that back end right now. They don't have any of it. It feels like. Yeah. It's one of those things where even like Lindholm, as you said, been stronger, I think over the last maybe month or so also had that pinch that led to that Carolina loss, which Jim Montgomery was pissed about. So like, again, even if it is just a short thing of like a Middleton or another, maybe stronger guy on defense, like we mentioned Parker Weatherspoon. I don't think he's going to be your savior down there. And also I think uh, you look ahead at this game on Thursday, great opportunity to get him in the lineup, Weatherspoon. You got to see how he does against actual teams that can uh, be really aggressive, high powered offense that will be in the playoffs. I don't think Calgary is going to be in that situation. So need to give him an extended look here. But even if Weatherspoon is uh, a pleasant surprise, I wouldn't call him a revelation, but a pleasant surprise is being maybe a guy that can play 16, 17 minutes. I think you still need someone else uh, back there, whether it's a Middleton or, you know, Nick Sealer, who's blocking every single shot. It feels like for uh, Philly, someone like that uh, might be an option for the Bruins. So we'll uh, talk a little bit more about, other uh, potential options for the Bruins on the blue, blue line. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear from our good friends over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I mean, really, it's one of the best sports days of the year. Even in the post-Brady era for Patriots fans, there's nothing better than posting up with your pals, making some buff chick dip, maybe a few nachos, ordering some wings, and watching two powerhouses play. Now, I don't know about you, I'm going to take a Travis Kelsey touchdown in Las Vegas. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. 
New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's a pretty good deal. So go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass, first online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at FanDuel. All right, Ty, uh, we've talked a lot about potential trade targets for the Bruins. We're looking at fourth line guys, the Pat Maroons, uh, Brennan Duhames, guys like that. We talked about third pairing guys like, uh, you know, Ilula Bushkin, Middleton is a second pair, third pairing guy. Uh, one guy who's been uh, brought up a couple of times, probably the, the top target on the market now, Noah Hannafin, uh, Calgary Flames defenseman, having a very, very good year. I think he's got almost 25 points, averaging, I think, over 23 minutes of ice time per game. Had a goal on Tuesday against the Bruins. Again, not a great goal for uh, Jeremy Swim to give up there. But uh, regardless, is viewed as probably the top target, um, both at the trade deadline and in free agency if he gets there. Um, so I don't know how realistic this is the Bruins are going to be uh, targeting him between now and March 8th, just in terms of what the cost is going to be, uh, the fact that they've been linked to him before. But if he does hit uh, free agency, again, that's a big if, right? Yeah, you run that risk of him going, getting traded somewhere else and putting pen to paper pretty early on. But if he's there in July, the Bruins have, what is it, 26, 27 million in cap space. Is he kind of your top target you look at if you're looking outside of this organization to add to it? Yeah, I think so. And 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 a big reason why I feel that way is that perhaps the Bruins are not as big on Elias Lindholm as maybe we we were to think. You know, maybe they don't maybe they like him, but not enough to give him nine million dollars a year if that's the asking price. And maybe the Bruins are weighing it internally and saying, Would we rather give seven and a half or or eight to Noah Hannafin? Uh, a high end left shot D or do we want to give that to a center who's older um, and who maybe we're not as high on. We all know that they liked Noah Hannafin back in 2015. Not sure if they liked him as much as people thought, you know, I think, yeah. I think they liked any of those defensemen. I think they liked Wierenski. I think they liked Hannafin uh, Provorov. I don't know about, but, but I know that they liked Wierenski as well. So, you know, like they liked, they liked all those guys. And so if Sweeney likes a guy, he tends to get them, you know, and at some point or another, he tends to bring them in. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that you look at it that way and um, you like, they would just make sense a natural fit. The question I would have, how much money is too much money for your top four? Like, yeah. and, and I, I think that's the only question you would have because the fit is there between Forbert and Grizzly. You have two expiring contracts there. You have you have a need for a long term upgrade there. I, I think positionally, Mason Lorai. I think the best way to ease him in is third pairing, second pairing next year. So yeah. you bring another high impact guy that that allows you to do that. And so, 
but how much is too much? You have McAvoy at 9.5. You have Lindholm at 6.5. Um, Carlos 4.25. I think good deal. Yeah. Really good deal. But if Hannafin's making seven and a half or eight, what do you add? Almost 28, 28, 29 million for, for your that, top yeah. four. It's a lot of money. I like it, but it's a lot of money. Yeah, no, I think it all comes down to, yeah, what you view as being, I think, maybe the foundation or the bedrock of whatever this next team is going to be, right? And I think if, again, on paper, that's fantastic for a top four. You got four guys you can rely on, mix and match, whoever you want to uh, play them. They all can move the puck. They're all big bodies. McAvoy's only six foot, but hits like a guy who's six seven. Uh, Hannafin's a big guy, Carlo, Lindholm. And then again, as you said, Lori, if you give him time to marinate and play on the third pair, maybe you have a more of a sheltered role at, at the start, but give him steady reps. Pretty good third pairing guy to have. And then, hell, mix and match whoever you want to round out that third pairing, whether it's a veteran pickup, a guy like Weatherspoon, wh- whoever it may be. You can you can roll with kind of whatever there when you've got that much talent on the top four. And if you have that in place with a guy like Swayman as maybe their number one next year, you're already in a pretty good spot, not counting the fact you've got guys like Pasternak and, you know, Coyle, Zaka, what have you up front. You're in a pretty good spot. It's all just, as you said, depends on how you want to allocate that that cap space you have, right? And again, the Bruins might view it as like a worthwhile investment. You sign this guy long-term, the cap should continue to jump up. That if you've got all these guys already signed long-term, you don't have to deal with another big free agency exodus until 2027-28 um, when you should have even more cap room available. Maybe you view that as a worthwhile thing. It just depends on how they view other areas of need. Because as you said, like, if you asked me at the start of the year, I'd be like, nah, have you seen how good Lindholm is? Like, fuck it. They don't need a guy like Hannafin. They need a they need a Lindholm or a guy like that. May not be the case now. And again, that's not to say that I don't think the Bruins are going to just be like, we're locked in on Coyle and Zaka, and we think Potra is going to be a, a top six guy when he's 23-24. Like, I think they're still going to do their due diligence if another guy becomes available in the next year or so that maybe has a higher upside of being like a, a proven top-line center. Maybe they they kick the tires there. Maybe that's when they decide to relinquish another first-round pick or maybe their draft pool gets better and they decide to target a, a guy like, I don't know, like a, a Keller or Hurdle if he's available or what have you they view someone like that as being a worthwhile investment. Lindholm remains to be seen. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he lights it up now that he's with Vancouver with kind of the supporting cast around him. But I could see them maybe having a pass on a guy like him who's worth, as you said, maybe 9 million. Upgrade your defense with a a guy that really gives you probably the best top four in the entire NHL. And you deal with that center position as it kind of comes along. When When the real big fish is out there, then you kind of put the, uh, bring the harpoons out. But for right now, I just don't see Lindholm as being the guy that, moves the needle enough for them to shell out $9 million a year for him. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing is that they're big fish hunting, but they got to make sure they get the big fish, right? And so that's always hard, though, because those guys rarely hit the open market, as we know. But, you know, I, I think with, with, with Hannafin, like, you would have not only the best top four, but probably the most versatile in terms of what you're able to do with it. You know, in terms of you could go back to Lindholm and McAvoy if you really want, which has been a super pairing for this team over time and have Hannafin with Carlo because Hannafin is mobile enough to to hang with Carlo. And then you get you have a pairing. You'd have a you'd have a top pairing where you're you got a six foot four Lindholm and a six foot one McAvoy. Then you got a six foot three Hannafin, a six foot five Carlo. Like 
that also lines up with what we've talked about before, which is this league-wide trend of having bigger defenses. Big boys. Yeah. And smaller, speedier forward groupings that allow you to, to basically just be to cover as much ice as possible and also pester the opposition. So it, it, it that's, I feel like that's where they're naturally trending is to, to get more size, but also more mobility back there. And I think that's sort of, that's the, that's the constant tug of war that you're having, right? It's like, you want to have big bodies back there, but they got to be able to skate. They got to be able to move and make plays, especially in this system. And I think especially um, when complementing your right side guys, whether it's McAvoy, whether it's Carlo, like those guys need somebody who can retrieve a puck. Like we've seen it now, whether it's been Lozon or Chara or Forbert, like they need somebody who can retrieve and make puck plays with them. And if you don't have that, it's going to limit that pairing overall. So Hannafin checks a ton of boxes in that regard. And, and maybe this is the, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, the, the consolation, so to speak is okay. You can't, get that high-end center. Well, if you juice the hell out of the defense, that's almost as good as having a high-end center because of the impact it makes at both ends of the ice. Yeah, it almost kind of reminds me of, as you said, like them getting the, the big fish on the market. You even look at, you know, teams in the past couple of years who have a shit ton of cap space and sign a lot of like pretty solid players, but are they game-changing guys? Like I look at like Detroit the last couple of years getting, you know, guys like David Perron, Andrew Kopp, good players are they moving the needle enough like as in terms of what right. they're investing on their money in? would you rather sign a guy who can be a 20 goal scorer or would you sign a top four 25 minute a night defenseman that anchors already maybe the best defense in the league right in terms of just the personnel and the the ceiling of them i'll take i'll take the you know the unquestioned top guy on the market and a guy like hannafin so we'll see kind of what the bruins do there um where hannafin maybe ends up because it does feel like he ain't going to be in Calgary that much longer if he doesn't want to sign there long term. Probably he's sick and tired of the really shitty locker rooms and bad facilities in Calgary. So he might be on the move. So there'll be definitely something to uh, to monitor in the next couple of weeks. But uh, before we round out this uh, podcast, Ty, let's take another quick break. Here from our friends over at Fact of Meals. Once again, shout out to our good friends over at Fact of Meals. All right, Ty, let's uh, end this podcast by looking at a guy who... Uh, has not really been able to find his footing as of late, and that's Matt Patra. Um, we all know how impressive he was out of the gate this year, had 13 points in 27 games, goes to World Junior. Hopefully the Bruins thought that was going to be a reset for him. Wasn't a, the best performance from Canada in World Juniors. He comes back, hasn't been able to really produce as much, and has really been kind of banged up, especially the last uh, month or so. And it kind of raises a point as to, one, where exactly his role is going to be down the stretch here, especially where he's going to be in this lineup. And maybe more of a bigger question is, could you see a situation where the Bruins do opt to maybe send him back down to the OHL to end this year just because as much as we thought maybe he's ready to take that big step forward, maybe he's still better suited to be playing, you know, 19, 20 minutes a night in the OHL and, and rip things up down there as opposed to, nine minutes in a fourth line when he really shouldn't be kind of in that checking line spot. That's uh, a great question because I, I think you look at, you know, he comes back from world juniors. He comes back with a bang. He has two assists in his first game back. It was that big win against the lightning. And you're thinking, all right, here we go. Off for the races. Confidence is there. Confidence is back. Um, he gets, he, he injures himself in the hit attempt on Sean Dursey. Uh, since then, 
three of his last four outings under nine minutes. Not what you want, not what you need. Um, and, and, you know, it feels like he's kind of quieted down a bit. He, he had a good run uh, out of the gate. His October was really good. His November was pretty good. And then since then, it's been it's been four points in 12 games. So you, you understand he's going to hit that wall. Looks like it's here for him. I, I don't think it's helped that, you know, I was talking with somebody and we were talking about Matt Potra and we both said the same thing where it's like he, he's he's talented as hell, but good God, he's taken a beating this year. Like yeah. people, people internally and around the league are aware of, of what a beating he's taken, how many hard hits, how many, you know, just close calls, glo- elbows to the face, you know, forearms to the head. Like, so, in it, so it was a challenge, right? Like this year is already a success for him in terms of he made the roster as a 19 year old. He said, I'm going to make it hard to set, for them to send me back. He did exactly that. So if you want to send him back and let him play and play 20 minutes a night versus nine here, have a set roster spot, and then you can call him back when that season is over. I would have to see the timeline when that would line up. I mean, yeah. maybe that is the ultimate the ultimate goal for them. There's also the contract part of it, that if he plays 40 games, that counts as a year of service, gets him a little bit closer to UFA status. I'm not worried about that in 2024, to be honest with you, but yeah. perhaps the Bruins are, where the longer you have team control, especially if you're going to make some of these moves that we're talking about, whether it's a Lindholm or a Hannafin, to have team control for as long as you can, to really allow you to do that load up, uh, that's pretty important. And, and so I, I think it's more about the wall than it is the contract, but it's a legit conversation that they have to have, you know, sometime now, and maybe they had it over the break, but it's going to get real now. I think depending on, uh, what his diagnosis is and when he comes back from the lineup. Yeah. It's one of those things where you look at just the, the, as you said, the beating he's taken, I think even Montgomery said, uh, on Tuesday, it's like, yeah, he he wasn't on the ice because he was like at a doctor's appointment. Like the guy's gotten the shit kicked out of him. Like the last, and again, full credit to him. Every time he gets knocked down, it's what we kind of what stood out to us uh, about him early on this year in the preseason. Where he was getting knocked down, gets right back up. It's not like this guy's getting absolutely bullied, but he's 19 years old. He has to add muscle, and as much as you know, I think the the drive and spirit is there for a young kid trying to prove himself. This is reality. What happens when you you know, collide with a guy who's 29, been in the NHL, who weighs 215, right? Like that, that happens night in and night out for a guy who's 19. It's going to add up. The The bumps and bruises are going to be there for this team, uh, for, for a player like Patra. So um, if it does hit the situation where he does get sent down to the OHL again, uh, I think I wouldn't view it at, at, at by any means as a failure. I'm sure there'll be the people who are like, oh, what, what's the point of having this guy up here? If you're 19, you already make it to the NHL. You've shown spurts of being an impact player. Um, and the reason why you maybe just need more seasoning is, one, you're not getting sufficient ice time. And I think the fact that you've had, you know, guys like Lauko or Geeky have settled more into those kind of third-line roles, it's kind of limited how much ice time is available, like, uh, right now in terms of where Potter is. Because if he is up here and he's going to be getting knocked around, I also don't want him to be – in the fourth line spot playing 10, 11 minutes a night, really like I'd rather him be down in the OHL, get his confidence up and then revisit where he is when uh, the storm season is over down there. Um, But I think there's a lot of factors that play into maybe it is better for him to go down there for uh, the tail end of the season, you know, lick his wounds and then kind of come back and revisit things. But if that is the case, I don't view it as being a letdown by any means for a guy that, 
I think has accelerated his timeline by at least a year, if not two, from where I think we were back in August looking at his long-term outlook. Yeah, 100%. And, and, you know, so I just looked this up real quick. Um, the OHL schedule ends March 24th, according according to this, the 23-24. So you're still playing hockey. Um, I don't know the OHL standings off the top of my head. Not sure if, if uh, the Storm are going to make the playoffs or not. Um, but you you sort of look at that like you could theoretically, the, the regular season ends on April 16th. Um, you could theoretically get him back for the playoffs if that is a legit uh, issue. And yeah, it looks like the uh, the Storm uh, have indeed uh, are indeed in a playoff spot, it would appear uh, right now. Um, but but you look at that like and so so you could do that and and you could get you could theoretically get him back for the playoffs if that if that is your concern. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. Like you talk about the physicality and, and whatnot. Like this is why, in case anyone's wondering, some inside baseball stuff here. This is why we always ask about how much weight did you gain in the offseason? Because it's much harder to put on weight to add muscle in season. You're so yep. focused on recovery that you, you can't say I'm going to beef up now and I'm going to be ready to go against NHL men. Like you just can't do that. That's why it's always stressed in the summertime and in training camp. Hey, how much weight did you put on? How'd you do it? Well, what do they say about it? Like, because it's just harder to put it on in season. And and I think you're seeing that with a guy like Patra who, you know, you see him out of the, out of his pads and you're like, Oh, this is a skinny fella. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, but, but it, it, you see the challenges it does pose a guy when you get into the nitty gritty, the dog days, of the NHL calendar because damn, this is a tough league, tough league to be a small guy, you, you know, especially as, as, a, as a teenager, let alone, you know, what you got to learn, you got to learn the physicality as well. So um, it's possible that, that this would be the best thing to do for him. And then when you, when you need a shot of adrenaline in round one, you say, we got Potra back from juniors. He's feeling good about himself. Put him in. Like you can do that. You know, it's not too dissimilar from the Tyler Sagan move. I know that was different because he played the whole year here, but Tyler mm -hmm. Sagan was a, was a, a, a jolt of lightning for you in the playoffs that year. He wasn't a regular. He was a guy that you threw in when you wanted some more offense or whatever. So um, that's, that may be how to look at Patra as well. Yeah, no, it's going to be really fascinating to see how he does. And again, most important thing for him, it's also getting healthy. If he's already still going back to the doctor, see where he is, you know, hell, he could be could be a situation where the guy gets shut down if he's really dealing with a lot of injuries, which when you look at the amount of hits he's taken, has added up. So definitely something to keep tabs on uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Um, but as we round out uh, and end this podcast, Ty, uh, where can we uh, read your stuff? Where can we hear you on the interwebs, on, on uh, Spotify, all that good stuff? Where can we consume your content? Uh, you can find me here. You can find me at, at 98 You can find me, uh, on the air every now and then over there, uh, and on their website. That's basically what I do. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. How about yourself? Yeah. So you can find me over at boston.com. I contribute to the globe, uh, as well, um, for all stuff, whether it's, uh, recaps, features, breakdowns, we'll be, you know, diving more into the, trade deadline in the days ahead as well obviously um so you can find all my stuff over there 
And if you want to follow me on Twitter, X, whatever it's called, you can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93. So this was episode 201 of Poke the Bear. I'm Connor Ryan. That's Ty Anderson. You guys have a great rest of your week. Bye.